Thank you for coming out this morning. Like I mentioned last week and the last two weeks, I guess, uh, I'm sharing with you today about vision and specifically uh, where we are as a local church and what God has in store for us uh, in, in the near future here at Grace Fellowship Church. So I'm excited to be able to share that with you, but I want to lay a foundation for everything by reading these verses in Genesis chapter 13, beginning at, at uh, verse 14. This is the Lord speaking to Abram. And he's our father of faith, and his name was changed to Abraham when they went and in, entered into covenant, uh, when he entered into covenant with God. But at this point, he's still referred to as Abram. But God spoke to him. There's some lessons that we can learn from this exchange that uh, he had with Abram. So let me begin at verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Verse 17 he said, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebith tree of Mamre, uh, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So he's telling Abram from the place where he is at the very present moment, we refer to it, I like to refer to it as his current reality. Where you are this morning, you have, a, you have a current reality in your life. The way things are right now, whether they're as they should be or as they could be, makes no difference. You have a current reality that you are experiencing at this very moment. But it's in that that God told him to, to lift up his eyes. And it's, to me, it's a, it speaks of vision. Vision, I like it. Uh, there's many different definitions of vision, but the one I like to use is uh, to defined vision is that it's the ability to see something as it is before it is. As you see it as it is before it is. You say, well, I don't know what vision is. I don't know if I ever had a vision or if I ever will have a vision. Well, you've probably, you can probably look back over your life. Again, the current reality that you have right now, there's probably been some things that you envision and that they, they, they now are reality. There's probably, hopefully there's also some things that you have vision for that are not yet current reality. And that's the good news about vision is that vision bridges a gap between what is your current reality and what could be. It bridges the gap between your current reality and what could be and by God's grace will be. Amen? So there's good things in store for you. And never get caught up and, and never allow yourself to, to your, your, your potential to be limited by choosing to live within the boundaries of your current reality. Again, some of you may be experiencing a level of contentment, a level of confidence, a level of peace, a level of joy, but there also may be others that are completely dissatisfied with your current reality. You mean pretty much life stinks. Nothing's worked out the way it should work out, or some things worked out and others didn't. Notice your current reality may be, at the very moment, may be a reality of it's very painful right now. This is a very dark time in my life right now. So wherever you are, I have good news for you. God has greater things in store for you, and it begins by, within the current reality, whether you're liking it or disliking it, 
what God is speaking to us is to lift up our eyes from where we now are. Don't disregard your current reality. Don't be in denial of it. It is where you are. You know, it's what it is. But it doesn't have to remain what it is. If it's good, it can become better. If it's not good, it can become good. Amen? But you have to be willing to lift up your eyes. And so uh, the ability to see something as it is, before it is, and your vision that, that you receive from God bridges a gap of your current reality to what could be, and by God's grace, will be. Will be. So in verse 14, I want you to notice, he said, lift your eyes now. Everyone say the word now. So is that tomorrow or next week, or is that right now? Right now. Begin to look up. Lift up your eyes from where you are. You'd be surprised if you'll just keep that phrase in mind to lift up your eyes. You'll see it throughout the Gospels. I mean, Jesus, when, when he prayed, and he lifted his eyes up to heaven, and they lifted up their eyes. I mean, is there something about lifting up your eyes? You just lift it off the current reality and look to the greater truth, which is God Almighty in heaven and his plan that he has for your life. Looking to God. But do it from where you are right now. Don't wait till things get better. Don't wait till things get better. I had this, uh, this, this mindset when I first became a Christian, having grown up in a very, uh, uh, I, I call it a very uh, conservative religious atmosphere in a, in a Mennonite home. Had a lot of good things going for it, but also a lot of what I would refer to them as restrictive in a sense, just kind of confining because it would be a better word. And uh, it was a lot of emphasis on holiness, but the, the emphasis along with holiness from my perspective, the way I was hearing it, I don't know if that's the way they were teaching it, but the way I heard it was by if you abide by the rules of the church, then you measure up to this standard of holiness. And so that had to do with dress codes and among other things, you know, abstain from worldly things. And, and, and you know, so if you, if, you, if you measured up by abstaining from the things you were supposed to abstain from and, 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 and to confine to all the other rules within the organization, then to me, then you measured up to a standard of holiness. And uh, so, so when I got, finally got beyond that and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I still wrestled with... For example, when I first started hearing about uh, receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you know, he's going to send the Holy Spirit and pray to the Father and he would give him to you. When I heard, started hearing that teaching, I thought, wow, that's what I need. I need power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to be a witness. And I immediately in my mind, no one told me I needed to do this, but immediately in my mind, I thought, okay, as soon as I get this straightened out, as soon as I get this straightened out, as soon as I mature in this area, I, mean, I, was, on a, I was on a pilgrimage to get myself holy enough and righteousness enough to have the Holy Spirit, to be a candidate for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that was my mindset. And one day it dawned on me that if I don't receive the Holy Spirit, I'm never going to get to this place where I want to be to be a candidate to receive him because I need him to get there. And that's how it is with vision. Don't put off vision and say, well, I'm not a candidate for vision because my life is a mess. I'm in pain. Uh, some of it is cause and effects of my own doings and so forth. Well, you know, it, it is what it is. It's your current reality. But it, you don't, we don't stay where we are. We never stay stuck. Amen. So be a candidate, open yourself up. And God told Abram, lift your eyes from where you, lift your eyes now and look. You know, just lift up your eyes and look around. 
and especially be looking to what does God, what is God speaking? What does God have in store for me? He says, look from the place where you are. And, and to make sure he doesn't miss anything, he said, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, and look to the west. Check out the entire horizon. Check out every possibility. Don't miss it. Everyone say, don't want to miss it. So I'm going to start looking around. You, you don't want to miss anything. And then in verse 15 and 16, he, he uh, follows that up with a, with, with a promise of receiving what you see. He said in verse 15, for all the land which you see, I give you. Notice God didn't say, I'm going to give you all this land. He said, I'm going to give you the land that you see. Well, I don't know why so-and-so has come to this point in life, and I've done everything that they've done, but I'm over here, and I just can't see it. I just can't understand it. Well, you just answered your own question. You can't see it. You don't understand it. See it. It's important that you have vision. You will always be drawn to your vision, and your current reality will, 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 will change, and you'll, you'll come into the promises of God. Don't miss what God has for you in the north. Don't miss what he has for you in the south in the east and in the west. and Be open to seeing everything that he has for you in every arena of life. Then he said, what you see, you know what you see, I'm going to give it to you. That, that's what I give to you. And then he said in verse 16, continuation of the promise, I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth. That speaks of abundance. He's going to, I'm going to give you an abundant inheritance here. You're going to have descendants that are innumerable, and this God's going to give you a people. God's going to give you a people. And so God is promising here, and it's based on Abram being willing to lift up his eyes from his current reality and to look all around and to see the potential that, that, that God has for him. And so then after God tells him to lift up his eyes from his current reality and to look in every direction, north, south, east, and west, gives him the promise, and I'm going to give you what you see. In verse 17, then he tells him to follow up on it. It's an action step. It says, arise. You know, don't just look and start looking all around and then just sit there day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and just looking north, south, east, and west, but never, getting, never putting any action to it. When you have a vision from God, you'll start putting action to it. He said, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. you know, get up and walk out the vision. Walk out the vision. See yourself living. You know, many times in a worldly culture, they say, living the dream. Well, in a sense, that's, a, that's not a worldly thing. That's a biblical thing. We're living the God-given dream that God has given us. The God-given visions that he's given us, we should be living that. You know, it's God never intended. God does not give us vision and then not give us the resources and the potential of fulfilling that vision for the sake of frustrating us and keeping us humble. That's, that's man-made thinking. That's religious thinking. Well, God's showing me this. It's a carrot at the end of the stick, but I can never get to the carrot. God's not doing that. God has given you vision, and know that because you have that vision in your heart, you've seen it, even though it may not yet be a current reality, it will be. You keep looking, and you keep walking. You, you, you keep applying the appropriate action steps. Arise and walk. Arise and walk. Notice there's action steps. We need to put action to our vision. And then he said, again, reminding him, he says, I give it to you. I give it to you. Verse 18, then Abram. Notice this was all God speaking to this point, telling him what to do. Then Abram 
moved his tent. Everyone say, he moved his tent. Now, when you move things around, that's, that's temporary, right? I think the King James says he pitched his tent. Moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree, which are in Hebron, and built an altar. I'm going to say built an altar. So he built his altar. Building the altar, when you build something, that's a, sen- that, that's a picture of something that's permanent. When you build something, it's permanent. When you pitch something or you move something, you know, that, that's temporary. Well, we in our culture today, in our lives, many times we get it mixed up. We, wanna, we, we want to build our tent. Notice we want to be permanent and not change. And then we want to pitch our altars. And we'll just kind of worship God. The altar is a type of worship, a lifestyle of worship. We just kind of pitch it. We kind of put it in wherever it fits. Well, it may fit this week. It may not fit next week. It may fit this month, but it may not fit next month. You kind of just haphazardly just throw it in there wherever it fits in. That's, you know, the vision here is that he, he uh, things in his life were temporary, but his walk with God was a permanent thing. His lifestyle of worship was permanent, built his altar. So when it comes to vision and seeing a vision that God has from you, know that one of the action steps will always be is to become a person of, of permanence in your lifestyle of worshiping God. Worshiping God, whether you know, through your, your Bible studies, you're hearing the word, studying the word of God, your prayer life, your worship life, uh, just whatever it may be, uh, but know that, uh, make sure that's something that's permanent and, and drive down a stake and say, this is something we do. As much as uh, some, uh, I wish in my, from my perspective that my parents would have had greater insight into some of the things I believe that, uh, that we have available to us today, there's one thing my parents did right. Went to church every Sunday. My mom with 16 kids, on Saturday, she prepared for church on Sunday. She made sure that our clothing was ready for Sunday morning. Now, you have to get this right. Back in those days when we went to church, you know, we, we, living on a farm, I had work clothes, I had school clothes, then you had church clothes. And that doesn't mean we had a lot of clothing. That means you had one pair of black pants and a white shirt and black shoes for Sunday morning. And that means you had some jeans and overalls, we called them. They were patched and cut, just like the kids wear today. But they weren't patched and cut because they bought them that way. My kids get so tired of hearing this. But hey, I wore my jeans just like that, but I wore them that way because we wore them through by working. <laughs> so those were the work clothes, and we had some school clothes. And I wore one pair of pants and a shirt Monday and Tuesday, and another pair of pants and a shirt Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. This was no, not just the way it was, but I don't know how we get into all that. Other than I want to say is that the permanence, it was never, you notice we never woke up Sunday morning deciding, well, are we going or aren't we going? I don't know. Do you want to go? Do you think we should? Well, it's kind of, the weather's not very nice. Well, I don't know. Who do you think the preacher's going to be today? (laughs) What do you think he's going to preach on today? You know, but it was just, so that permanence was ingrained in me. I can tell you when I received my driver's license, got my car, I remember one Sunday I decided not to go to church. And I was going to the beach, down to Rehoboth Beach, and I remember driving down through, I think it was Delaware, feeling guilty as sin, (laughs) simply for driving to the beach on a Sunday morning. 
<laughs> so that's just some of my culture there from, from a background. So that's always been helpful to me that, you know, you don't wait till Sunday morning to decide if you're going to go to church. It, it's permanent. It's, it's fixed in the schedule. It should be more fixed in your schedule than you're going to go to school on Monday morning or you're going to go to work on Monday morning. Now, someone needs to hear this because this was no way on my agenda this morning to, to, to camp out here, but here we are camping here. So now let me lift up my eyes from this place and let's move on to, to vision, God's promise of receiving what we see, the action steps arise and walk through it. Build your, build your altars, that permanent relationship, the permanent lifestyle worship with God. Everything else should be temporary. Everything else should be flexible around your permanent commitment to worshiping God. And so uh, uh, just a few moments now uh, in, in talking about the vision of this church and in lifting up our eyes, uh, in Acts chapter 26 and verse 16, when the Apostle Paul is recounting uh, his testimony, he makes this statement among the, uh, before the authorities concerning his vision and what Jesus said to him. So if you could pull that scripture up in Acts 26 and verse 16. But I just like this particular part of it. He said, he's recounting what Jesus said to him at his conversion on the Damascus Road when that light came down from heaven and Paul had that conversion experience. And he's recounting that. And he's recounting what Jesus spoke to him. And he said, get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen. Have seen. Everyone say, have seen. So if you have seen it, that means you've seen it in the past sometime, right? And, and, my Bible says, the New King James says, the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Will yet reveal to you. You know, this vision, your vision from heaven, when you lift up your eyes and you look north, south, east, and west, you don't just do that one time and get a glimpse of what could be and should be and then, then camp there. Well, that's fine, but you, know, but you should get there. You should get to that point that, you've, that when you first lifted your eyes, when you first got your vision, you should get there eventually. And then there's more. There's yet to be revealed. Everyone say, there's more to come. There's more to come. So that's what we here at Grace Fellowship. You know, if you've been around Grace Fellowship, you've, you've, you've somewhat, you're used to transitions. You're used to things changing, whether it be a carpet color or a paint color or a stage design or a building change or whatever it may be. But you're, you're accustomed. You know, you haven't been here for 30-some years, and it's still the same as it was when we first started. So you're used to some transitions, some that's intentional just to keep us all awake and to keep us from getting into ruts and, and, uh, and getting stuck on stupid you know, we don't want to be stuck on stupid, right? You know what a rut is? It's a, it's a grave with both ends kicked out. And so we don't want to get stuck in those. And so there's things that are yet to come. So vision from God is progressive. It is never static. And so I have with you, uh, for you this morning, a vision statement for Grace Fellowship Church. And this is uh, this uh, secretary from Bradenton, Florida, the church I served as an associate pastor typed this up for me on a manual typewriter. This is, it wasn't even an electric typewriter yet. Here's our vision, two pages. <laughs> but the vision statement on the very top. Now vision is supposed to be memorable. Everyone say memorable. So you should be able to remember the vision of the church and you're talking to people when, in the marketplace, students when you're at school and say, what's your church all about? You should be able to tell them, this is the vision of our church. So I'm going to give it to you from 1984. 
All right, now you gotta remember this. The vision of Grace Fellowship as a local church in the Reading area is to build an atmosphere conducive to praise and worship and to the flow of God's spirit for the preparation of the saints to the lifestyle and the work God has called us to. Now you recite that back to me. You got it? All right, lift up your eyes, you caught the vision. Well then, you know, so the church got started on that vision, started on a great foundation. That was 1984, get into the end of the 80s, the early 90s, into 2000, probably into 2010. There was a strong emphasis among church leadership on, on, on vision and mission. And there's this emphasis on, a, on the importance of the, There's a major difference between your vision and your mission. And I remember looking at mission statements and looking at vision statements and thinking, well, what's the difference? And, and then, well, the mission's what you do and the vision's how you're going to do it. And it's very important that you have both statements that people understand it. And there are books are written by the church leaders. If I mentioned their names, you would recognize their names. And seminars on, on, on vision leadership seminars and teaching you how to develop mission statements, how to develop vision statements, and so forth. So I went through all those exercises, jumped through all, jumped through all the loops, and we came up with this. It's been around now for, I don't know, I'm guessing 20 years. Mission statements. Anyone know what our mission statement is? Anybody know? Shh. Yeah. I think I sense a problem here. <laughs> mission, proclaiming Jesus, the good news of God's grace. That's the mission statement. What's the vision statement of Grace Fellowship? I mean, this is important according to the leaderships from, you know. The, <laughs> the vision statement, teaching and equipping believers to pursue God's purposes as revealed in his word. Now you guys got it. Now you can remember it. Now you go out to the marketplace tomorrow. You go to your place of employment. Students, when you go back to school tomorrow, you can tell them, our church is all about proclaiming Jesus, the good news of God's grace, and our church is all about teaching and equipping believers to pursue God's purposes as revealed in his word. There you got it. Progressive, is it not? Much more memorable than the first one from 1984 from 1984. So visions and mission statements were really, really a big deal. Really a big deal. And, and they talked about how they need, to, you know, they need to be memorable. So you heard it. I expect you to remember it. Today, we are now combining mission statement and vision statement, because we finally decided, you know what, it's not that big a deal. We just need to know what we're all about. <laughs> we just need to know what we're all about. So I'm going to give you one this morning that's a little bit more memorable than the 1984 one. I'm going to give you one that's a little bit more memorable than, than the year 2000, somewhere around there. I forget, probably even before then. But the vision of Grace Fellowship, our promise to you, matter of fact, we don't even call it vision or mission anymore, the, the, the new vibe from the, the, the millennial generations, it's supposed to be a promise. This is our promise. And this is what you can promise people their experience when they come to Grace Fellowship Church. People say, what's your church all about? This is our promise. Are you ready? You, you think you can remember this one? All right, here we go. Everyone say it with me. Lives, Lives. Transform. transform. That's it. <laughs> you got it. Lives transform. Now, just about three weeks ago, it was still a sentence. I forget what the full sentence was. Then we, uh, Nancy and I met with uh, Steve and Kim Steyer, and we were talking about the, you know, that they're calling it the rebranding and so forth, and new website and that type of thing. And 
And Kim said, you know, we're going through this same thing at work, and they're really talking about how it needs to be, you know, it needs to be three to five words. And she's reading this sentence. She says, well, right here it is. Lives transforms in that sentence. I said, bingo, we got it. Lives transformed. So thank you, Kim. <laughs> so that's what, that's what the promise of Grace Fellowship Church is. And you can remember that, and you can tell that to anyone who asks you about the church. This is what's happening at Grace Fellowship Church. So real quickly, let me give you some of the, some of the things that, are, that we're working on to, to uh, assist us in transforming lives, action steps that we're developing to increase our effectiveness in, in lives being transformed. Now, these are not necessarily in, in order of priority, but this is the order that they're being worked on. Number one, there's a whole new emphasis being put on grace groups. I'm going to say grace groups. Karen Miller's responsibility has been reassigned to give leadership to grace groups. That's to recruit uh, potential leaders, potential host people to develop and to train and, and to oversee and to give oversight to it and to give care to it. And, and uh, most of you probably know Karen, but Karen, go ahead and stand up in case there's someone here that does not know you. There's Karen Miller. She's been around here for the last two or three years. And so she's uh, going to give some uh, good leadership to that in developing various groups. So there'll be seasonal groups. You're not going to be stuck with the same people for the rest of your life. Uh, but there'll, there'll be Bible study groups, interest groups, life, life stage groups, for example. It may be parents of, of uh, toddlers or parents of youth or whatever life stage groups there may be. But it's going to be a... a, a variety of grace groups, the Bible studies, everything's going to come under the, the, the logo of a, the heading of grace groups, and Karen's giving oversight to that. Another area that I felt God's talking to us about refocusing our efforts and our energies and our resources to is grace missions. I felt like we've done a great job over the years of, of foreign missions, supporting foreign missions, praying for foreign missions, and, and financially supporting them. We're not going to stop doing that, but we are going to put a greater emphasis on local missions, right here locally. There's things that are need to be done. I've always been one thinking, well, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, so we'll support the Hope Rescue Mission. We'll support Mercy Crisis. We support Teen Challenge. And that's fine to support it and send money and to pray for it, but physically, we need to get more involved. We get more ownership. And so we're, going to be, we're praying about how can we more effectively reach people right here locally. One of the messages you'll hear coming up in, in December is called Missions Without a Passport. So the focus is going to be, there's a shift. Years ago when you heard of poverty, years ago when you heard of starvation and stuff like that, you, you, you thought of Africa and India. Well, now we hear about it in our own communities, the, the, the drug crisis, the opioid crisis, and people losing their lives to drugs and, and, and addictions and so forth. And it's affecting our own church families, not just the inner city, but it's in the rural areas where people's lives are being snatched prematurely. And there's things that we can do as a church to come into our community and to be a blessing. So those are uh, things that are going to be taking place in, in, in the in the near future, you'll see that culture shift. And I mentioned a culture shift. It's a real culture shift needs to take place in our hearts. And I recognize it needs to start with me and being um, more minded locally, being more evangelistic minded. We want to do more evangelistic efforts. We want to be more inviting and engaging and bringing people into the church. People are not going to come in by themselves. And, even, and with being 
more hospitable and inviting people. There's only a certain amount of people are going to come, but there's much that we can do to take the gospel to them. Amen? If you go fishing, how many, not very often that your fish just jump out of the river and jump into your basket. Usually you have to launch out there and you have to snag them. And so we're going to launch out and we're going to be snagging some people. So it's going to be, we're working on some culture shifts, thinking different uh, in, in, in hospitality, thinking different in evangelism and, 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 and being more harvest-minded. One of the messages you'll hear in December is about uh, being, uh, lifting up our eyes under the harvest. It's white, the fields are white under harvest. And so we're going to, everything's going to be focused on lives being transformed. So Nathan, if you would make your way up here, I want Nathan to share just some things with us as well that are going to, uh, what Nathan was sharing with you, are some tools that are going to help us facilitate what I've been sharing with you. But the Grace Kids, the Grace Youth, I believe, we believe that these things are in, a, the Grace Kids are, is in a good spot. Eileen Garcia and Tina Sokolsky are doing a, a really, really good job, and have, they're just filled with mission, with vision and excitement about things that are in store uh, for that, and the Grace Youth, and there's lots of neat things coming up. So Nathan, if you just share some of the, things that we're doing to help facilitate it. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I just wanna share, I wanna share with you guys, I don't wanna bore you, I'm not gonna be like, oh, what is the strategy of marketing? And, you know, we don't have to go into those super details, but we are in the process of essentially rebranding, uh, which means we're completely redesigning um, our logo, our website, our, our digital strategy is completely changing in order to reach more people, especially uh, the younger generation. So. One very noticeable change uh, that you will see soon is the name of the church. And this is something that we thought really hard about um, as a leadership team, um, how to make the name of the church effective, memorable, uh, easy, simple. Um, so we can go ahead and put it up, but it, the new name of the church is gonna be Grace Church. Um, and so that is our new logo. And by, you, you notice that fellowship is gone. We're not saying that fellowship is not important. Um, in fact, that's, a, that's an integral part of, of everything that we do here. Um, so to be clear, the reason that we, we, we change the name of the church is so that it is more effective in a digital world. It's easy to remember and it's simpler, easy to write down, share with others. Um, so, and we're excited to see this logo uh, kind of used across the board. Uh, so we have Grace Church, Grace Music, Grace Groups, Grace Kids, Grace Youth. This all kind of ties uh, everything together um, and we're excited, too, that we're going to have some legitimate apparel. Does anybody like apparel, shirts, T-shirts, and stuff? Yeah, cool. Um, so stuff with this logo, um, you know, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts um, will definitely be out there soon. And it, it's just kind of a way for <clears throat> us to extend our message, extend our reach into the community. Um, so as volunteers, uh, you guys... We'll be avail yourself to that and be able to wear those here when you come here or just out and about on your own. Um, the new website, we're really excited. Um, it's gonna be a greater tool uh, to, to reach the community. It's gonna be a greater resource um, for each of you uh, to equip you as believers to enrich your knowledge um, and a greater tool for uh, the leaders here uh, in our evangelism and leadership of others. Um, so this idea of branding is something that extends um, into a lot of different areas. And we believe it'll help us be a recognizable place of refuge, a place of truth and community uh, within our community in Berks and beyond. So and, you know, at the same time, what Pastor Ray was saying about 
the, the changes in community, we, this is not just a, a surface change, right? We're not just changing things on the outside uh, to make us look better, but we're doing a lot of other things like Pastor was talking about with the community. So we're super excited. Um, we hope that you're on board with it and you can be excited too. So thanks. The promise, um, lives transformed. Okay, here, I have it for you. It's the vision of grace as a local church no, 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 in the no, writing no. areas to build on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the first paragraph. I was being nice to you. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So anyway, so another step that's being taken to implement all the things that are taking place is that uh, in, starting in November, I'm going to be taking it. Nancy and I are going on sabbatical for November and December. It's a much-needed time of rest and restoration. And just to really let this, lifting up your eyes, north, south, east, and west, absorb everything that God wants to do over the next number of years here at Grace Fellowship. I'm excited about it. I'm energized about it. But back in the beginning of this year, 2018, I was really feeling a, a, a tiredness that was just... I talked to different leaders about it and said, when's the last time you took a sabbatical? I said, back when we changed the, <laughs> back when we changed the vision from this to, to, to the mission and vision statement, bless God, we had clarity, we had both. But anyways, around year 2001. And so Pastor Sam basically scolded, my pastor scolded me, he said, you're supposed to take a sabbatical every seven years. And so, uh, anyway, I'm not trying to justify it. I just felt that I needed to go on sabbatical. I was praying to God, when should I be taking this sabbatical? And I originally felt that I should take it in the beginning of 2019, come back and start working on vision and branding and a new promise and so forth. But this stuff all got expedited and we've seen the favor of God and the grace of God on it through different connections, various connections that we've had. And, and so, uh, so it's been moved up. And so I decided, you know what, I really think it'd be good to take the sabbatical in November and December and then come back in January and, and start fresh and really concentrating on what God is showing us and really put energies into what we we're telling you about, the, the grace groups and the grace missions and grace kids and grace youth. And the promise here is lives transformed. And so uh, I appreciate your love and your prayers. Nancy and I will... Uh, really enjoy visiting different churches and just allowing God to speak to us and just have the vision gets even larger when you get around and rub shoulders with other ministries. And so we're excited about the opportunity to do that. And so we don't want to stay stuck where we are. I have a lot of vision, a lot of plans for the future. Some people ask me about sabbatical. Does that mean that you're going to be resigning? No, if I were resigning, I'd just resign. I wouldn't bother, I wouldn't bother with the sabbatical. But I believe that I have quite a few more years in me to be leading Grace Fellowship Church. But I believe it's appropriate. It's a God thing to take the sabbatical and to stay fresh and, 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 and to just stay sharp in, in my leadership. And so I appreciate your prayers in that. We have you covered for sabbatical. We have a good lineup of guest ministers coming in. Some are from in-house, others are from out. We have Daniel's going to do the first Sunday from on talking about the importance of supporting vision. Tracy Weiss, she's local. And then we have this guy, Ken Everly. He's also local. He's going to do a couple Sundays. And then this guy's going to come in on the first Sunday of December, Chris Lotzbach. And we have this guy. I'm not sure who he is, but we're just <laughs> rolling the dice there on that guy. 
That's Pastor Sam Smooker. That's my pastor from Worship Center Church in Lancaster. And then uh, we're ending then with Jean Watson. She'll be in the last Sunday of the year. And, so, and Nathan is covering the Sunday before Christmas. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but they're going to do something on this December 23rd. Nathan has that particular Sunday covered. So, so you're in good hands. And if you have any emergencies or so forth, just contact the office like you normally do. We have things in place for everything to be covered. Amen? No funerals and no weddings, November and December, if you want me to oversee them, all right? <laughs> so praise God. So get that straight. Praise God. So thank you. We love you. Thank you for being so supportive. And if you want to know the real truth of why I'm going on sabbatical, you really want to know why I'm going and why we're going in November and December, let me tell you the honest to God truth. I don't think I could stand being here in November and December with the eagle. <laughs> with all you eagle fans... Fully convinced that you're going to repeat. I'm so fed up of hearing it already. I, I thought, come November and December. <laughs> I thought, come November and December. I don't even want to hear it. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to camp out somewhere. <laughs> God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. May you prosper and be in health, even as your souls prosper. And again, we love you a lot. And we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you.